Hello, and welcome back to the Natalie Smith Fitness Podcast. So this is a really fun episode. Today I have a guest on, Jen from at FitFoodie on Instagram. That's at F-I-T underscore F-O-O-D-E-E. I'll link it in the show notes. But basically, we do a Q&A together. It was super fun. We had a lot of great topics about fitness and nutrition. So I hope you enjoy the episode and let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to the Natalie Smith Fitness Podcast. So today I have a guest on. This is Jen. I had her on about a month ago, but we're going to do another episode together. Today we're just going to do like a Q&A, just answering some questions that we both got from Instagram. So it's going to be a fun one. We're just going to be talking about that. So let's get into it with our first questions. So the first one that we have is... um, how did we both get into fitness? So we can both answer that individually. Um, I'll go first. This is a question that I get quite a bit and I don't talk about it that much, but basically I started as a dancer. I've been a dancer for like, I was a dancer for about eight years since I was like five years old. And I did that for a while. That was like my main sport. And eventually I started lifting weights. I started lifting weights when I was 12 years old. I was almost 13. And that's a lot younger than most people start. But I just kind of like, it was interesting to me. It was intriguing. And I would see women on social media lifting. And I thought that was really cool. So I just started at home lifting weights. And then my family got a gym membership. So I started going to the gym and like, learning how to lift with dumbbells and barbells and heavier weights. And I completely fell in love with it. I've never been like super sporty, but I just loved lifting. And so I started about two and a half years ago now. And I just started learning more about fitness and about nutrition and workouts because it just became such a passion for me. And then eventually um, you know, I, I was lifting for a while and then last year with COVID things shut down. And during that time, I decided to pursue more at like educating myself about fitness and nutrition since I had extra time. And that's when I got more into like coaching and information and, um, helping other people with it. Um, and so last year, last August, I got my first internship. Um, I started reaching out to gyms around me to intern and, um, I wanted to get more into coaching and stuff. So I am now I've done three internships and, I've learned so much throughout them. I started posting on Instagram and starting helping other people around that same time. And, you know, this year I really got more into the strength side of things. Like I learned through my internship, you know, what do I really want to do in fitness and what do I not want to do since there are just so many different aspects and different things that you can go into in fitness. And so I really fell in love with powerlifting and strength this year. And now, um, now I'm a competitor lifter yeah <laughs> so it's just like you know you can always evolve and you can always learn new things in fitness and it's like you can just fall in love with a totally different style and there's just so many different things that you can do but basically that's how I got into it and when I started and you had great success at your meet yes I did I qualified for worlds so now I'm preparing for that yep <laughs> 
congratulations. That's so cool Thank you to so see. Much. Yeah. I wish I had the time to really dedicate and train for something yeah. like that. You know, yeah. a bit in life now, I'm I'm trying to just train. Period. If I can yep, train, exactly. I'm good. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Um. One question for you though, before I get into mine, how? What kind of dance did you do? So I did ballet, jazz, and um, contemporary. Um, and I really liked ballet and stuff. That was kind of my favorite, but. I haven't done it since then because I like this more <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I also enjoy like the aspect of focusing just on yourself and I think that's so unique to like powerlifting and even like bodybuilding too is like you just focus on being the best that you can and competing against yourself and I think that's just really cool um, and something I really like about that. Yeah, me too. That's definitely I'm not a competitive person. But when it comes to competing with myself, yeah, um, it's the reason I ask is because most people when they say dance refer to ballet, tap, yes. jazz, exactly what you were saying. And I know for a lot of people that can lead you into nutrition, but not necessarily in a positive or educational way. Yes, um, absolutely. I, I also did dance when I was younger, but I <laughs> grew up in a very um, mixed multicultural part of Toronto and did kind of hip hop competitive team dancing for some time. Cool, so cool. I was so lucky because in that community, it was cool to be strong and to have, yes. you know, thick thighs and really be able to get low in your movement. So it was celebrating a different kind of movement that I'm, I'm so grateful I had that, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I started to see that with ballet, like, um, I, thankfully I didn't really experience that because I was, as I was getting more serious in ballet, um, I was also lifting at the same time. So I already liked being strong in that yeah. stuff. But I noticed comments like that from my teacher. Like they would say things like, oh, you don't want to do it this way because then your thighs will bulk up. Or like you don't want to lift weights because you don't want to get all like muscly and stuff. And it's just, I, do. I think it was. Um, yeah, they said that to the whole class. So, mm -hmm. um, I just kind of, you know, ignored it. I was like, that's BS. But, um, I think it's maybe not as worse as it used to be, um, especially like in ballet and that culture. But I think it's probably still prevalent of like being as small as possible and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, prevalent, not just in dance, but throughout. Mm -hmm. It's funny. My, my fitness journey kind of started like that. So uh, kind of around the same age as you, maybe, maybe 12 years old. Um, we had a running competition in school. Um, I think we touched on it before, but the kilometer club, cause we don't have miles here. Right. Um, so every time you ran a kilometer, you'd get a popsicle stick and we'd have, you know, 15 or 20 minutes at school and whoever had the most sticks kind of did a great thing. And I, I fell in love with running immediately. I was not, um, great in the sense that I wasn't quick. I didn't do right. things fast, but I could stick with it. Um, and I could go for a really long time, which is kind of my approach to lifting too. I'm more of a grinder than a natural yeah. athlete, yes. um, but that kind of got me into it, but it was also a mix of wanting to be thin and having, um, you know, a bit of disordered eating and some body image struggles, um, in that pre pubescent kind of teenage time where you, where you are now. Um, and I, I wish that I had had lifting, you know, because I yes. ran many, many years, um, and even when I started lifting, I didn't understand, uh, what running would do and how it kind of could be opposition to my lifting goals and my strength goals. So it took me a really long time, but now, um, I actually went for a run this morning. I try to do a Sunday run and that's kind of 
where, you know, where it lies with that and the rest of it is pretty much lifting. Yeah. And I mean, I went through, you know, a small period like that too, where, um, like kind of like over-exercising and stuff like that and just focusing on trying to do as much as possible. Like I went through a period where I was dancing like four or five days a week. I was running like two or three days and I was lifting five days a week. And it's just like, looking back on that now is kind of crazy to me because I lift like four days a week and then I walk every day and I can't imagine doing more than that because it's like when you focus on quality over quantity with your workouts you can't be training like twice a day or anything like that it's just um and that's the most important thing about like I think strength training and fitness is like people think that you know you need to do so much and it just needs to feel like impossible but when you focus on doing less but doing it better you actually see better results. Yeah, it's quality over quantity for sure. I'm I'm at the struggle right now where um, I've gone into an upper lower split simply because four times a week is what I can manage right now. Right. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the upper lower, just, you know, there's nothing right, nothing wrong with the way you train and you do your split. But for me, it's just too much, uh, to do upper lower. I like to at least break out shoulders and push pull. Mm -hmm. Um, but even sometimes the thought of that fifth day, just to really get a a shoulder day is just, it's, it's too much. So it depends on you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So next question, we both can also answer this is what is your favorite and least favorite exercise? So, okay, I have a few for both. I would say my favorite is, of course, squat bench and deadlift because I power lift. Um, But I think deadlift would have to be my favorite. And then I also love chin-ups. I'm working on them right now. And I also really like um, dumbbell rows. Like, I just like back work. And then I would say my least favorite is step-ups, which I have in my program right now. And um, front squats, walking lunges, basically like intense quad work. Any non-compound. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And um, abs. I don't really like training core, but I still do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when you're doing as as much compound lifting as you are, I mean, you're really training your core. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a little bit of core work, but I'm definitely doing a lot in my other lifts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, my favorite workouts constantly change, which I love because it gives me, um, you know, a way to breathe life into my workout because where I am, we've, we are just about to finally have lockdown lifted next week. We basically haven't had a gym uh, in a year. So That's I, crazy. yeah, it's insane. So I have my squat rack and my bench in my bedroom, which I always joke around like I'm in, I'm in the bedroom gym, you know, yes. um, it's a bit lunacy, but I'm so glad I have it. Um, but yeah, so I've really tried to focus on things like squats because I don't have a ton of space and I'm limited in what I can do in the bedroom gym. But I think that my favorite workout of all time, no matter what is probably Mm -hmm. pull-ups. I just, I feel like a badass. I really, Mm -hmm. you know, the first time I ever got 10 pull-ups was, was probably the proudest day of my life. I, you know, I've, I've never seen another female at the gym get 10 and it just, I'm, I'm sure they can. I just haven't seen it. Yeah. I just felt really good. And, you know, they can be hard on your elbows and such sometimes, but you know, um, there'll be times when I'll throw some weight on my back and get a few, or I'll go for volume. And there's just so many ways to approach yes. it. And just, I also love back work. So 
Yeah. Pull-ups are king for me, I think. Yeah, that would have to be, I mean, that's my goal right now is 10 in a row. I think that's just, it's such a cool goal, like you said, as a woman to be able to do that and being able to do them weighted. Yeah. That would be awesome too. Yeah. I like to for just sure. pull up and be like, oh yeah, you, you did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a great feeling. Yes. Um, all right. So the next question that I will answer, someone asked, um, basically, how do you like when you're going through an injury, how do you not spiral and get discouraged? And I think this is a really hard question, especially because I've personally never gone through like a massive injury where I couldn't lift. Um, but I think the best thing that you can do is like find ways to work around it. There's always things that you can do in the gym and there's always things that, um, you know, you can train around it. You can train with it. Make sure that you have a good coach or someone who can help you and like help you get out of the injury and with rehab and all of that. That's going to be really important. And setting new goals that are exciting to you with what you can do is going to help you stay motivated. Um, I, I think it's it's hard. I think like no matter what, it is going to be discouraging that you can't do everything that you want to do. But finding a way where you can still do things that you enjoy and where you can still be in the gym and working towards your goals is going to be the most important. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with you. You know, my my tidbit there is it's it really is an addition game not a subtraction yeah. game. you start to think about the things you can't do it is discouraging there's no right. way around that that's okay yeah and you might lose strength you know but yeah. coming from someone when you start to get a little bit older for me I've been lifting for a little bit longer my weight is starting to get heavier that I can lift so I had a bit of a setback of course while we were in lockdown and whatnot but now, for example, I'm getting my squat strength back and actually it's very cool because I got to lower the weight, give my body a bit of a rest, but I'm still pushing my max. I'm still, you know, one rep in the tank and I'm dead. And even if I'm 50 pounds less, my body is still benefiting the same way, but my joints are getting a break. So mm. there's always a way to look at it. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other thing is if you need to focus on something and you really want to deep dive and, and you can't hit it hard with your um, fitness, then focus on nutrition. I mean, yeah. there's so much you can do there. That's yeah. That's also a good point is like, you know, there's other things in fitness that you can set goals around and it doesn't have to just be like what you can't do at that time. Uh, yeah. So next question. Um, you could answer this one also from my perspective too. Someone asked, will um, eating after a workout make me bulky? Should I eat before a workout, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, uh, so workout perinutrition, meaning before and after is important to, to a certain extent, but as with everything, it's nuanced and subjective. So a ton of people train fasted. Like, let's just clear the record here. It doesn't matter if you want to train fasted and you like it, go for it. Mm -hmm. Yes, there can be some benefits to having nutrition before you work out, maybe energy. Um, maybe you'll be able to push a bit more or run a bit farther. But if, if nutrition um, gives you GI distress or trouble, then do the thing that works for you. It's not about work, unless you're stepping on stage and you have to look like Arnold, you know, you, you can have flexibility there. But if we're talking about optimal, then yeah, you probably want a bit of nutrition before you work out, if you can stomach it. And 
within the next hour to two after you work out, I would highly recommend replenishing glycogen and of course protein. So it's not about making you bulky. As a woman, you know, we're, we only make what 15 to 20% of the testosterone men do. It's yeah. very hard to get bulky as a natural. Yeah. Um, but you want the workout to work, you know, if you, yeah. if you want to get the most out of your effort, try to get some protein and maybe a bit of carbs in after you eat. Fats are not so important before and after workout, right. but you know. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I would say, I think that, um, you know, you don't have to eat before a workout, but I think some people are afraid to or whatever, or like, um, because of the whole myth around training fasted. So training fasted isn't going to burn more fat or anything like that. And having some carbs before a workout will help you perform better. But like, uh, Jen said, you know, it can disrupt, um, your digestion, maybe I think like just, it it can be something really small. Like it can be like a banana or like even a little bit of juice or something like that. It doesn't need to be like this massive meal. Um, but it will usually in most cases help you, especially if you're more focused on having a good workout and wanting to perform well. Yeah. Or if you're an endurance athlete, if you're about to go run, you know, a a 10 miles, 20 miles, then yeah, you know, some nutrition could definitely fuel that. Yeah, absolutely. And then the next question is, um, I'm trying to eat less meat. How should I replace meat in my diet? So I'm personally vegetarian. I can definitely talk about this. Um, I, I'm vegetarian and I eat like 120, 130 grams of protein per day. So it's definitely possible. I would say um, one of my go-tos is Greek yogurt, of course. It's so versatile. Yeah. Um, Eggs, egg whites, super helpful. Also cottage cheese, you can use that. And then as far as like completely plant-based sources, edamame, tofu, tempeh, more of like the soy-based protein is going to have more protein rather than some of these other plant-based proteins are higher in carbs or fats. Um, And then even just like some meat substitutes have pretty good like macros, pretty high protein. Um, Just choose like choose sources that are higher in protein and lower in fat so that you can actually get more protein from them and then get fats elsewhere. Um, And then you can also, of course, supplement with protein powder if you need to. But those are just some really good go-to sources that you can use for meals. And then also just like making small swaps. Like if you have, you know, if you're having like regular pasta or something, swap it for protein. Or if you're having like pancake mix swap it for protein or something just find like little ways that you can add it in there's tons of protein bread like you can't yes, absolutely yeah if you're a vegetarian you know instead of having chicken or whatnot on your sandwich have some protein bread and then some cheese cheese yeah. is a great source now mm-hmm. i'm so glad you said get your fats elsewhere because everyone says peanut butter okay right right bread. like That's, for six yeah. grams of protein and 200 calories or whatever yeah protein is not or sorry peanut butter is not a great source of protein but um you know some cheeses are really fortified so you know if you have some protein bread and cheese on there then you know you can you can definitely work around it yeah and you know if you focus on getting like 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal that's a really good range and you'll be good for the day yeah yeah absolutely Um, okay. Next question. Pretty similar. Um, is protein powder necessary? Why should I use it? Yeah. I mean, 
nothing's necessary. Nothing in this right. entire world is necessary. I personally always have protein powder in the house. It's I can throw it in oatmeal. I can throw it in my French toast um, when I'm mixing the eggs. I can make a shake. It's it's just so so versatile, honestly. And if you are having a bit of trouble, as long as you can digest it, there are vegan sources. Um, just make sure you know what you're getting. Make sure you can read the label. Uh, protein powder, though, is is 100% something that I I go to. Mm-hmm. I personally don't even use protein powder, um, but because I don't need it. But it's definitely a convenient source of protein, especially like if you're just on the go or you like you just yeah. don't want to eat chicken all the time. Like. It's just really easy to use. So as if you're struggling, that is a great option. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you're getting protein from real food too, but like to here and there to supplement, that's great. Yeah, I wouldn't have five of them a day for sure. But right. you know, if you're a person who does struggle, say in the morning, or yes. you want a little bolus before bed, because that's a great idea. You can you have a little protein shake, 25 grams of protein in your system digesting while you sleep. That's amazing. Yes. Absolutely. Protein. Um, that's something that I think people overlook is like getting it before bed is really helpful, really important. And it's, I mean, beyond building muscle, like yes. benefits of protein, I, I won't get into it, but I mean, sarcopenia, like losing muscle mm-hmm. mass as a lifter or not as we age is, is incredible. It helps with so, so much hormone balance. Mm-hmm. I mean, just having adequate protein actually is like a youth serum as yes. you age too. Just yes. invaluable. And- And of course, satiety, fat loss, that stuff too. Yep. All right. Next question. What is the recommended exercise per day slash week? So this is obviously going to depend on the person and what you have time for and your goals. I, I personally think that strength training is really important for pretty much everyone. Um, and I think there's no like set, workout or split that you need to have but like strength training two to five days per week is a good range um and then from there oh wait it's freezing other forms of exercise like walking is something really important that's something you can do pretty much every single day and I think that's really underrated form of exercise like just walking even 10 20 minutes a day that's something that pretty much everyone can do. You can walk while you're doing other things and it's going, it's so beneficial for you. And then cardio, you can add in like one or two cardio sessions a week if you'd like to, but I think focus first on what's manageable to you. You can start with just walking. You can start with just strength training and find what works best with your schedule. Um, as long as you're getting some form of cardio and some form of strength training in that is what you need. Don't focus on like most optimal, focus on what's sustainable. Absolutely. Sustainable and, and adherence, right? Like yes. what you want to do, what you can do. Um, it's funny, you know, I, as someone who was a long distance runner, I'm talking, you know, five to 10 mile runs, you know, four to five times a week. There, there was no limit to what I wanted to do, but the guidelines are actually, I believe, uh, in the U.S. as well, about 150 minutes per week. Yes. And I do that like the USD protein guidelines. Those are a minimum, I would say. Right. Um, if that's all you can get, go for it. If you can use it as a minimum, then, yes. you know, I highly recommend it. But these days, walking really is not only um, my therapy, my it helps me de-stress, get my mindset right, process things, but it is my, uh, number one form of cardio. It really is. Same here. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Um, and then kind of going into next question, is 10K steps a day magic? So I love this one and I, I might be an outlier. I'm not sure what the consensus is. I love step goals because yes. number one, I, you know, I like to walk for cardio, but it's not even, you know, your tracker is wrong. If it says you hit 10,000 steps, you probably didn't. You maybe hit more, you maybe hit less. They can never actually count your steps throughout the day. But a great thing is if you say, okay, 8 to 12K is my goal and you fall within that, then at least you can compare every day and know that you're on the right track. Yes. And just having some sort of a goal that involves movement and just just moving your body and it has nothing to do with your weight or your aesthetic, I think is yes. absolutely, it's, it is a golden rule for me. I love it. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know that there's like a ton of research on it, but I think what I've seen is like the minimum is like seven, 8,000 a day. It shows a lot of benefits for like mortality and joint health and bone health and mental health and all these different things. Um, and like you said, just having like a specific goal can be really helpful. I think, going from like zero to 10k is really hard so you maybe want to progressively build up maybe go to 2k and then 4k and then just slowly build up but yeah if you're getting it doesn't need to be 10,000 like on the dot like Jen said a range is going to be really helpful to allow some for some more flexibility yeah and you know even if I just walk to work and back instead of taking a bus or instead of yes. driving or a bike, whatever it is for me, that's about 6,000 steps. So I'm already over halfway there yep. if I just walk to work and back. So, you know, knowing those things is really helpful. Also, some people think, okay, so you go for your run and then you have to do 10K. No, it's 10K. <laughs> your run can count. Yeah. So this morning I ran uh, six miles. So I got my 10K steps. I've hit my goal. Now I'm still going to move from the couch today because, you know, it's not yeah. To sit around for the rest of the day, but it does count. You know, you're walking and you're running or your cardio can all be collective. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then kind of going into a similar question, how can I get my cardio up without running? Yeah. So honestly, people love to hate uh, HIIT training, high intensity interval training. If you really don't like cardio, but you want some aerobic benefit, and, and you like group classes, then absolutely go do hit. It's not, it's not bad. You know, I know it's getting a bit of a bad rap right now. Now, if you're lifting heavy and you're trying to grow muscle, then maybe overexerting with hit is yes. in your best combo. But if you're struggling, then absolutely go to a class, have someone motivate you do that. Go for a walk, take the stairs mm -hmm. instead. You know, if you have a dog, um, even if you're going out for, say you're going shopping with the girls, walk to the mall, walk around, yeah. you know, right. there's, there's always ways to get it in. Yeah. And I think, you know, it doesn't need to be like this specific, um, like class or session or something that you're doing. There's just so many little things that you can do that add up. Like you said, just finding ways that you can walk more. I think that's just super important and super underrated because walking is just, it's something you can recover from. It's super beneficial. It's super easily accessible. Um, that's pretty much what I use for my cardio. Or another thing you can do is like, um, at the end of a lifting workout, you can do like five to 10 minutes on like the bike or on the elliptical or on or a little circuit or something like that. Um, just something small to get it in. Um, or you can even do like dancing or swimming or rock climbing. Like it doesn't need to be like a workout. It can be something that you just really enjoy doing. Yeah. And the other thing too is so 
um, I'm a lifter, you're a lifter. Okay, yeah. so sometimes you're going for a one rep max, right? right? You put that baby up and you're drained. Okay, but on certain days, some days I train, I train for strength and hypertrophy, and some days I train with different goals in mind. So I will lower my weight and I'll rep it out. So if I if I have a 45 pound bar and I put say 30 pounds on either side, and I do sets of 12 to 15 fast. Yeah, right. Cardio. I mean, my yeah. heart is pumping. I, you know, right. I'm, I'm squatting to cardio there. So you can also just change uh, your tempo while you're lifting. You know, you can add cardio in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, like we kind of mentioned before, you just have to find what is realistic for you to do. Like, you don't need to be going all out for lifting and cardio, you have to find, you know, what can you recover from? What's realistic with your schedule? What's something that's not like torture to you that you can stick to? Yeah. You go completely body weight, do not have a single pound and do 20 Bulgarians on each side and tell me if you're just racing (laughs) at the end. Absolutely. Um, also say going into the next question, what is the difference between Bulgarian split squats and regular squats? Well, there you so, go. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bulgarian split squats are an exercise where you're going to have one foot elevated behind you. Um, and they're just such a great exercise. They're a reason they're so popular. You know, they're great for strength. You can load them up. They're great for hypertrophy and just balance and stability and like quote unquote functional movement. Um, they're a really phenomenal exercise you would use them as more of like an accessory rather than like your main lift of the day since it's just one leg at a time um but that's you know that's even another benefit of it is that you're working one side at a time you know unilateral movements are really good for making sure that you don't have any imbalances between each muscle and that you're working on your balance um and then squats are just you know most people know what that is um, it's a bilateral movement, which just means that you're working both sides at the same time. And that is going to be better for like maximal strength since you'll be able to load it up more. But you can also do squats for hypertrophy. And it's just a really good exercise that carries over to so many areas of life. So they're both great exercises. It's just basically one is one leg at a time and the other is both sides. And and the cool thing about Bulgarians too is you can do them, like I said, weighted. You can mm-hmm. do the body weight. You can do high rep. You can do quick. But yeah. Bulgarians, you know, without access to a gym have really become a focus for me. And I have learned that I can move my foot, my, my uh, foot that I have on the ground as my stabilizer one inch and Mm -hmm. I can lean my body forward over my knee one inch. And that tiny adjustment changes everything to my glute med focus Mm -hmm. over my, you know, my entire posterior chain. So it's very, very cool. You can, you can make it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like if you're working out at home, just like doing unilateral movements is going to be your best friend because they're a lot more challenging without weights and you can slow down the tempo. You can add a pause. You can do one and a half reps to make it more difficult. Um, but yeah, great exercise. Pull-ups in Bulgarians. You can can build yourself, uh, you know, a physique doing that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then next question, is it necessary to have workout equipment? So I think that, um, I mean, I'm going to say, no, it's not necessary. Like you can build good workouts at home with body weight, especially if you've never lifted before, if you're new, then like, yeah, you'll be able to gain strength and muscle without any equipment. But I think, 
Um, at some point, you are going to want to start lifting weights. I don't think that there's really any replacement for strength training and like true progressive overload um, just for the benefits of it and how important it is, especially as you get older. I think it's really important to do that. But I think doing the best you can, and especially if you're still in lockdown or whatever it is, like you can get effective workouts in at home. You have to be creative and you can still make progress that way. But I think it is important to also lift weights if possible. And and the variety too, right? Yeah. Being able to do different things, different movements. But, you know, to go back to the three I mentioned, if during this entire year of lockdown, all I focused on was progressing my push-ups, pull-ups, yes. and Bulgarians, and say at the end of a year, I can do sets of 30 plus push-ups, you know, yeah. my Bulgarians at the bottom, then damn, I'm strong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you can, you can definitely get creative, like with that. And especially like push up and pull up goals. That's great. If you don't have any equipment, um, 20 push ups. that that's a, that's a really good goal. Yeah. I've done that one. It's challenging. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. We did, um, 20 push up, no 50 push ups a day for 21 days or something like that. That was, yeah. Um, Just 20 in a row is hard. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, and stuff like that, push-ups and pull-ups, that's something that you can do every single day. That's something that you can recover from, like, obviously, if you're not going to failure every day, but just doing a little bit that you can definitely make progress with that. Yeah, I was, I was out visiting a friend and she just randomly was like, oh, I need to train. I feel so bad. Let's do something. I had no equipment. I had nothing. And I was like, okay, so I designed a program. And as our finisher, we ended um, with a couple competitive rounds of how how long will it take breaks included to get 25 push-ups Ooh, okay yeah you can break after every five you can do what you got to do but 25 how long does it take and, and it was really fun yes yeah exactly um and like having a kind of competitive aspect or someone to train with that can also be really helpful especially if you're in lockdown like <laughs> yeah so i mean Lifting weights is a very solitary thing. You're working on yep. you for you, but never underestimate the power of motivation, accountability, yes. going with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I I have pretty much always lifted by myself for a while, but like I have a training partner um, and we are preparing for worlds together. And now I'm, I'm at this powerlifting gym and it's like the community is like, so important and you learn so much and you're so supported and it's just it makes it so much more fun so I think that you know a lot of people think like oh I just like working out by myself but when you start training around other people who are especially working for the same goal it changes everything so fun you get that mm -hmm. all right next question um what macros are right for me how do I calculate them so this is this is such a crazy question with so many answers and yeah. <laughs> it really doesn't matter at the end of the day there are certain guidelines you know what i mean so um of course it's different you know you can get 0.8 grams of protein but to make it simple i always like to say try to go around one gram of protein per body weight right um so that's how I would do that. And then for me, I prefer carbs. So I tend to carb load as long as I get the minimum fat requirements to yes. health. But the thing that people need to realize is you can't just say, I want to get these macros and I have them. You yeah. also 
understand calories, right? Because yes. at the end of the day, the pyramid starts with calories. I'm not talking about health. Health is different. Right. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to control um, your physique and, and that kind of thing, it's calories and then macros. So mm-hmm. um, I talk about, you know, I've had some really negative feedback on my channel for talking about um, a very rudimentary, easy way to calculate your calories. It's just body weight times 12. Mm-hmm. Um, track it for a week or two and adjust as necessary. Yeah. It, I can't believe the negative feedback I've had from that. You know, everybody's different. Well, yeah, this is like, if you don't understand crazy um, mathematic equations and, right. and have a body fat tester and you don't know your lean yes. mass, you can just start with a very simple equation. Um, another one is you can do your body weight times 10 and then between 1.3 and 1.9 for your activity level. Okay. That's way um, to do it as well but these rudimentary things are are so valuable yeah. and as long as you're willing to commit and track for a week or two see how you feel see where your where your weight's going then you'll never end up in the wrong direction yeah and I mean I've uh, of course heard that calculator before and I've heard you know kind of both sides about like I think it can be a really good starting place, especially if you're someone who has a lot of weight to lose or something like that, and you're just getting started, pretty much anything is going to work at that point. Like you don't need a ton of specificity. Um, and you know, it's, a lo- it's easy for people to understand. I think also you can try like an online calculator. Um, there's a lot of those too, but it's really not about like finding the perfect calculation or something. It's really just about, finding one and just trying it out and being consistent with it and then just seeing how it goes. Um, That's what's going to get you a result because no calculator is going to know exactly what you need. Only you can do that through trial and error. So a number, right? Like I can say, okay, I hear that most females around my height and age can maintain around 2000 calories. Okay. Mm -hmm. That might be wildly inaccurate for me. Maybe I have thyroid. Maybe I don't sleep properly. Maybe I'm a shift worker. Maybe I'm inactive. Who knows? But I can take that 2,000 calories, and over the course of the week, maybe worst case scenario, I gain a pound or two because, you know, it's 3,500 calories to gain a pound is quite a lot over the, you know, that many times in a week. So then I just adjust. And then I lose a pound or two. And then when I'm going up or down, I know what's working. Um, And so it's really, really important to have an idea of your calories, portion control, what what sizes and and things actually have in them. And then from there, I always try to get around a gram uh, per body weight of protein. I never like to go below 40 grams of fat for myself. Yeah. Uh, just find that's where I'm healthy. I can, you know, my, my bowel regulation is good. And then... The rest I just put to carbs because I like them. Yeah. I think the best thing you can do is like find a rough estimation for your calories, whatever calculator that you use, try it for like three or four weeks and make sure that you're actually tracking um, everything that you eat because that's the issue is like if you're tracking some things but then just taking all these like random handfuls of food throughout the day, you're not going to know. Like you have to be pretty meticulous with it when you're trying to get the proper number. You have to be measuring your food and be eating, tracking everything that you put into your mouth. And then from there, you can have a little more flexibility once you have it figured out. But just, you know, see how that goes, monitor as needed. And I think as far as like, if you're someone who's just starting out, really just focusing on calories and protein is what you need to do. You don't need to focus on your fat and carb ratio that much unless, you know, you're really focused on your physique or your performance or whatever it might be. 
but focus on just getting the right number of calories, um, enough protein, 0.8 or one gram per pound of body weight, and then just let carbs and fats fall. However, but don't eliminate fats, please understand. Absolutely. I know yeah. they got a bad yeah. rap, but <laughs> yeah, I think that's the one, that's the other issue too, is sometimes, you know, especially when people get so focused on like volume eating, they'll like never eat any fat. And it's like, you have to eat it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, next question after years of being in a calorie deficit without realizing is my metabolism broken how do I fix it yeah this is a really really good one and I've I've spoken to countless people who you know I've been eating 1200 calories for three years and it's like oh my goodness first of all I'm so sorry because yeah. it's your fault somebody has you know educated right. you or you know shown you that this is the way but that's okay if if you're in that situation, your metabolism isn't broken. Your right. bodies are incredibly resilient, but it is probably damaged. You know, it. In a, if you're looking at it in the sense of it can use the most, right? It probably can't metabolize the most amount that right. you have in your genetic potential. So, it's very easy. Do not stop what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing because if if you shock your body and you go up to two thousand, you will gain. Um, or if you lower, you will continue to stall your metabolism because your body is very adaptive. So start by adding, you know, maybe 50 calories a day. Do it for a little while. Some people will actually see weight gain from such a small amount as 50 calories a day. Some people won't. They usually say there's about 100 calories above or below your maintenance that you can flux and it probably won't change your weight. But start there. If you can add 100, go for it. However it happens, um, it's similar to like a reverse dieting situation where you just keep adding small, a little bit, a little bit. Understand that there may be some weight gain, but overall reparation of your metabolism is, is really important. Um, and just inch your way up because you really, really don't want to be at a place where 1,200 calories is your maintenance. Yeah. It's, it's, not a, it's not a good place to be. Yeah. I think with this... Um... I, I wonder, I think it's a different situation for everyone, but I think maybe sometimes people will think they have a broken metabolism, but may not truly be aware of how much or what they're eating or like people who are eating 1200 calories, maybe they eat 1200 calories Monday through Friday and then Saturday and Sunday they're starving because that's so little food that, you know, then they'll binge eat. And it's like, you have to, um, I think you have to kind of realize like, where really are you? Like, are you truly tracking, weighing every single thing that you eat and you're only eating a thousand calories and you've been doing that for three years? Yeah. Or is it like maybe you're restricting and then binging or something like that? Or if you think that your metabolism might be broken, I would also encourage to go see a doctor and like get a test done and Love see yeah. if it's really if your metabolism is truly broken, but if you've been under eating for a while, that's unfortunately a situation that a lot of women are in. And I think, you know, slowly adding calories, like Jen said, that's a really great thing that you can do, you know, 50 to 150 calories a week or something like that. And know that like, yes, your weight will spike up, especially initially, but that's okay. That's just you know, you have more food in your stomach, you have more carbs, more salt, probably. So that's just water weight. And eventually it will stabilize. But the main thing to focus on is like, you want to be able to eat more calories, you want to be able to get to your maintenance and let your give your body a break and be able to eat more food. So that's the main priority first, like, you don't need to add tons of food first, you don't want like, 
more weight gain than is necessary, but your weight might go up like one, two, three, four pounds or something throughout the course, but it's going to be worth it. Like, yeah, it's okay. And the thing is, if you're maintaining truly, honestly and truly on 1200 calories, again, it's not broken. Your body has downregulated. So you don't realize that you're probably tired. You're lethargic. You're, you're probably not very animated. You, you probably sit in your chair and you don't get up and go say hi to people in the office or do what you would do. So as you continue to increase your calories, your body realizes that it's not under duress. And all of a sudden, you start moving more, you're more animated, yes. you are okay to take the stairs. So your body is super intelligent and it will upregulate, but you do, you have to be honest. You know, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're doing a 200 pound deadlift, but you got partial range of motion, you're not really doing it. Yes. 1200 calories, but you're binging on the weekends. You're not really eating 1200 calories. Yes. Yeah. Because I think in most cases, if someone was eating 1200 calories for three years straight, they would probably have lost a lot of weight, unless, like you said, you brought up a really good point about the NEAT, like non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That's usually why your weight stalls out at a lower number of calories, because naturally, like when you are giving yourself less energy than you require, especially to such a degree, you're not going to have as much energy to move around and do little movements like fidgeting and like like you said, being more animated, moving your hands, um, dancing, stuff like that. And that can add up to like an extra 300, 500 calories that you burn per day. That's a deficit for a lot of people, right? Exactly. So it's like, once you start eating more, you will naturally move more and then your metabolism will increase from that. And, and while you're eating these 1200 calories, I mean, let's, let's, you know, if you are five foot one and you're a petite yeah. person, you might only need 13. Like I'm not saying for everybody. Right. That's just Right. Right. Number. Yeah, exactly. But you know, as you're, if, if you're going to the um, gym five times a week and you're eating 1200 calories, are you really working out? Are you yeah. throwing the dumbbells around or are you getting those quality movements? Because yes. as you fuel your workout, you're really going to start hitting some real reps. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's all relative. Yeah. And that's why, you know, we don't want to create a major deficit or one of the reasons why is so that, you know, number one, you can still be in a deficit and still see weight loss progress, but also so you're not just constantly lethargic and starving all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Next question is, I eat pretty healthy, but I'm still hungry. How do I stop late night cravings? I mean, let's be real. Late night cravings are late night cravings. Yes. You're tired. Um, your body literally is begging for energy. It's sending you, you know, your leptin, your ghrelin, you're going off, off the charts. But if you're hungry, of course you can honor your hunger, but if you, it's just because you're tired, then maybe go to bed. Yeah. (laughs) If if your body is starving for energy to keep up, then maybe just let it, let it just get some rest. You know, the other thing I would take a serious look at your macronutrient profile. So if you are eating a ton of highly processed food, which I am not against. I love processed food. I love all food. I do not demonize anything just to get that out there. But, you know, if you're getting 400 calories from a muffin, which keeps you full for maybe an hour versus an entire plate of food, maybe you need to take a look at that because that really does make a difference how satiating your food is. Um, I love to have potatoes with dinner because even though they're carbs, potatoes full and then you know I have my ice cream at night and I don't need the whole tub you know I'm good right. with one um but yeah take a look at 
at your sleep because yes, I cannot under stress the value of cortisol and then your leptin and ghrelin, your hunger yep. hormones, yep. it's hugely connected. Um, and then, yeah, take a look at your, your macro breakdown because maybe you're one of those people for me, when I eat a Greek salad with lots of feta, I get full. The the cheese, the fats, because mm-hmm. I don't eat a ton of fats, actually satiate me. So yeah. it depends. I think there's just so many things that go into this and like managing hunger and a deficit. I think number one, like we talked about, make sure your calories are not too low um, because no matter what, if your calories are super low, you're not going to be satisfied at all. Um, mm-hmm. Number two, making sure that you're getting enough sleep and making sure that you're eating enough protein, making sure that you're getting protein at every meal, enough fiber. So eat fruits and vegetables. Like, of course, you can include processed foods, but having more fruits and vegetables, it's very hard to overeat them. You're not going to be able to do that because they keep you so full. And then also making sure that you're including fat at your meals, like moderate the portion. But if you are depriving yourself of fat so much, you're not going to feel satisfied because your body needs it to survive. It's going to keep craving it. Um, and also making sure that you're eating enough during the day. Like something that I see a lot of people do is like starve themselves all day so that they can eat a lot at night. And if you eat like three full meals during the day, you're not going to feel the need to binge eat at night. It's like you want to space out your meals and make sure that you're having full filling satiating meals throughout the day and then you'll be satisfied yeah and i mean the flip side of that too is if intermittent fasted um eating or time restricted feeding works for you you know like if you're not very hungry in the morning and you find yourself really peckish at night then maybe have a protein shake in the morning and a banana you know and save your calories for night but set yourself up for success be mm-hmm. honest with yourself. If I was eating 1200 calories a day, I would binge. I'd be starving. Yeah. Like I would want the food, right? And if every time I opened my fridge, I was staring at cake, I'd probably eat the cake. Like yes. nobody has the ultimate willpower, right? right. So, so set yourself up for success. Be honest with yourself about what you're doing. And uh, I think that's a good way to go. And also like you know, don't demonize eating at night. There's nothing wrong with having a snack before you go to bed. It's not going to make you gain weight. It's like, if you want to eat something like, you know, whatever, how many calories, 200, 500 calorie meal before you go to bed, then do that. Like that might help you sleep better. That might help you stay full and not be so hungry in the morning. So find basically like what you said, the eating schedule that works best for you. And if in the event, Um, so me, I love breakfast. I wake up, I'm ready to eat. Like I'm I'm into it, you know, and that's not the case for everybody. So if you find that you tend to skew towards nighttime and you have big dinners, that's fine. Just know that if you ate 2000 calories that day, it does not matter when you ate them. It's 2000 calories for that day. Right. In the morning, you might weigh more because you ate later in the day and you haven't processed it yet. But 2000 is 2000. So whatever works for you within the parameters. Absolutely. Like the number of meals you have or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, all right. Couple more questions. Let's see. If I go on vacation for a week or two, will I lose all my progress? This is such an important question. And I think it's a really common one. Um, there's so much misinformation around it. And the truth is, no, you will not lose your progress. If you, you know, even if you overeat for a week or two, or you don't work out for a week or two, you're not going to lose all of your muscle. You're not going to gain fat. Um, you know, there's some research done about this, like overeating for a week or two, 
you know, there's the rule about like 3,500 calories adds up to a pound of fat. But even if you eat that much, usually your body will, you'll burn more naturally or something like that. So you won't even gain that extra pound of fat in such a short time frame. That's not how it works. People don't put on 10 pounds, 50 pounds in a span of weeks. It takes a long time. Just like losing fat takes a long time. You're even if you eat perfectly for a week or two, you're not going to be shredded. You're not going to have a six pack. It's like progress in either direction takes a long time. So it's important to know that so that if you do overeat for a week or you go on vacation or something, you're not ruining anything and you can enjoy your life. Because if you are always focused on being 100% perfect and on never screwing up, never going off track, that's not something that you can actually stick to. And then eventually you're going to fail or you're going to give up or something like that happens. So having that consistency where it's like, being on point 80, 85, 90% of the time is so much more realistic than 100%. And that's actually going to help you see better results since you can stick to it. Yeah. And I mean, so the flip side to that is we, we are on a trend right now where it's, you know, one day off track won't kill you and right. you know, enjoy the damn food, you know, do your thing. And I am all for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Go on your vacation, enjoy your vacation. But the thing is, you have to understand at the end of the day that it is math, okay? So what you put in versus what you put out yep. is that it works. And I'm not saying it's going to be the end of the world. If you go on vacation and you gain three pounds, then so be it. You know, you've lived your life, you'll lose it again. But do know that that is the trade-off. So if you want to go on vacation and enjoy it, do that. Please do that. But just know that if you're drinking 15 fruity cocktails a day and you're hitting the buffet five times a day, it will not end your life. You will be okay, but it will stall or reverse the progress. So if you've been dieting for 10 weeks and you, you've lost, say, five to 10 pounds at half a pound to pound per week, and you go away and you gain three or four pounds, it's okay. But know that it will set you back and and be okay with dealing with that too because there are going to be seasons in your life where you eat more and your weight goes up so if you want to go on vacation and you do want to enjoy but not yolo you can do very simple things like drink the less sugary cocktails make sure that your meals are full of protein and vegetables the carbs and the sweets at the buffet are maybe secondary or you have them with one of the meals so you can still live your life enjoy and have some moderation and if you go YOLO, then just know it's okay. If you've gained a few pounds, yeah. it, it might set you back, but you can get where you were again. Yeah. And I think understanding like when you, if you weigh yourself like the day after vacation, that's almost yeah. all going to be water weight. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's just going to be water weight that three or four pounds, maybe like one or two of them is fat. And like, that's not, that's not worth worrying about or like worth, um, you know, missing memories for worrying, oh my gosh, I might gain one pound of fat. Like that's not, that shouldn't be um, in most cases so obsessive that you're worried about that on your vacation. And I think enjoying it is important. And I, I agree with you that like there's this whole trend on like just enjoy it and stuff. And I think that that can be taken to an extreme where people are like, oh, I can just do whatever I want as long as I say I'll get back on track. And it's like 80% of consistency, 85 is still most of the time. Like you still actually have to be putting in work most of the time to see results. It's just or don't, but accept what's going right. to happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're 
if you have a goal, you have to be consistent most of the time. It's just if these special occasions come up here and there, it's okay if you're not perfect on those. But what you do most of the time is what's going to determine your results. Yeah, it's a here's a funny little thing. So I don't weigh myself on Sundays. So today's Sunday and I went for a run. I feel great, but I don't weigh myself on Sundays. And I'm what they call like a weekend warrior, right? And right. that has a bad rap because, oh my goodness, you track all week and then you ruin it on the weekends. Well, no. I eat in a slight deficit during the week because I'm already on a very tight schedule. I'm already very busy. I'm an A type. I like the control. I enjoy yes. it, I manage it. And then on the weekends, the deficit that I've created, I enjoy. I don't count. I don't count. I don't weigh. I obviously use moderation. I'm, I'm pretty um, advanced in understanding what my plate yes. has on it, right? Um, but I don't, you know, I had a burger and poutine, which here is uh, fries, cheese, and yes. gravy um, the other night. And when I wake up in the morning, just because I don't want to play the game, I don't want to see the number. If it's up a few pounds, I know I'm educated in this. I can understand that it's not weight gain, but I don't want the, the who cares? Exactly. It's totally. Scale that day. You're going to yes. be up a few pounds. It's all good, girl. Absolutely. And um, kind of similar to what we were talking about is like, if you are happy with your diet most of the time and it's something that you enjoy on vacation or whatever, you won't feel the need to like completely go overboard if what you're doing is sustainable the rest of the time. And that's really important. Like um, if you're eating super restrictive 24 seven and then you go on vacation, of course, you're going to feel like you need to eat everything. But if you have these good habits in place, it's not going to be as likely that you'll go completely overboard. And yeah. I think, and like you said, the calorie cycling, like eating slightly less some days and more other days, that can be super helpful for a lot of people to create more flexibility. If you want to have like on the weekends, days where you have more calories, more food, maybe there's more social events. That's something that you can do. You don't need to eat the same number of calories every single day. I have to defend this weekend warrior lifestyle more yes. than any other thing in my nutrition. Really? <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, well, I'm so busy during the week. You know, it's not on my mind yes. to, to eat a ton of yep. food. I actually track during the week because I want to make sure I'm hitting my protein. I, it's actually to try to hit my numbers. Yes. Keep a small deficit because I love having whatever I want on the weekend. Yes. Now, I don't mow until I feel sick. You know, yes. I probably eat past full sometimes because I'm enjoying. But I like that. I love that. I don't see why I would have to defend that. You know, whatever works yeah. for you. Yeah, that's that's interesting to me. Like that you get um, feedback like that about. Yeah. I know. Why are you creating such bad habits? You're binging on the week. I'm not. No. I'm overindulging. People completely misunderstand what binge eating is. Yeah, I'm not. Binge eating is when you cannot. You've lost control. Yes. You know, I I even said when I was eating my burger and my poutine because fries are heavy with cheese and gravy on them. Yes. I even said um, to my friend, I was like. I'm full. I should probably stop now. But this is so darn good. I'm going to have yeah. a few bites. That's yeah. okay. I'm not binging. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's Binge eating is a mental thing. It's not just like eating more food. Than, yeah. Um, okay, last question is how do you read a nutrition label? Ooh, so this one's, this one's cool because I can honestly say that there are a few things I read and the rest I don't. Yeah. You know? There's so many words on there. I don't know what they mean. I I know that I eat a, a well-balanced diet. I get most of my micros. So I take a look, number one, at the calories. And it's important. So 
it's no secret. Everyone knows I like ice cream. So here in Canada, we get nutrition labels by milliliters. So mm. a typical portion of ice cream is 125 milliliters. So the ice creams that I choose are between 100 to 150 calories per serving. But some ice cream labels are 188 milliliters. So it's, right. you have to understand kind of the, the baseline. So yeah. once you know what a portion is and, and you understand how that looks on your plate, then I would say, number one, you look at the calories. You decide how many servings you want to make up a certain amount of calories. I always look at the protein because I'm interested in that. Yes. Um, I, I tend to, you know, I look at the carbs and the fat, um, but the one other thing I focus on is the fiber because that's yes. to help with satiety and, um, you know, bowel movement regulation, which is right. really important. Yes, I totally agree. I think you don't need to completely overcomplicate it. I think just like the five most important things are calories, serving size, because if it's like, you know, 200 calories, but the serving size is like one tablespoon, then that's not going to keep you full. Um, so you have to look at the calories to how much food it has. And then the servings per container, because if it's a small thing and there's like eight servings, that's important to know. And then the protein, like popcorn and chips. Yes, and like exactly. How many servings exactly. in that bag? Yep. And then the protein and the fiber. Those are like the most important things to look at. I mean, if you're tracking macros too, then carbs and fats would be important. But yeah, I think that's the most important things to look at. And if there are certain things you eat a lot of, you know, like take a candy bar, for example. So a typical yes. candy bar has like 180 to 220 calories, somewhere in there. So if you're like, okay, I want a Kit Kat, cool, have a Kit Kat. I have yes. no issue with that. It's 200 calories. It's not going to make or break you. Right. But if you, so Toblerone, for example, is one of my favorite chocolates, but that has 280 calories per like the big triangle yes. thing. So if you kind of understand, you know, where it is, um, for example, even protein bars, you know, I, yeah. I don't recommend protein bars over other things, but right. if I'm in a pinch, I know that. I need to have at least 20 grams of protein. And I know yeah. that around 220 calories is kind of where I want to be. If it's more yeah. than that, it's probably got a lot of fats or things in it, you know? Yes. yes. So just general baseline understandings are, are really helpful. Yeah, that's super important because like some of these protein bars could be like three, 400 calories and like 15 grams of protein. And it's like... Those meal replacement bars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but probably won't keep you as full, so... Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I like protein bars because to me, people are like, why don't you just have the chocolate bar? And I'm like, because it tastes like one and it has 20 grams of protein. So for me, yeah, true. true. Yeah. Yep. It's Absolutely. Like candy with protein. Yeah. All right. So this has already been an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was good. We answered a good amount of questions, talked about a lot of different things. So definitely had a good time. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Really like having you on the podcast and yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, have a good rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye. Yep. <laughs>